Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to our latest edition of Argyle Chat. It's pretty hard times for the Pilgrims right now following a 2-0 defeat at Oxford United, which pushed Argyle back to the foot of League One. Joining me to discuss all things green and white is our football editor Chris Errington. Hi, Chris. Hello, Stu, who I should add is bravely battling on with a, with a pretty nasty cold. So I am, yeah. If he does cough... Please forgive me. Please forgive him. He's, <laughs> he'll do well to get through his podcast without a cough, I think. Yeah, I will. Um, all pretty sombre at the moment, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it, things change in football so quickly. Yeah. And um, Danny Salmon and I sat in this office roughly this time last week, and I'll go and come off a 1-1 draw at Barnsley... And Barnsley's subsequent results show that that was no mean feat. Absolutely, yeah. And then they had their first league win of the season at home to AFC Wimbledon. Didn't play great, but they got the win and four points from two games. And you're thinking, OK, could this be the start of Argyle beginning to move up the league? Uh, we had the Czech Trade Trophy um, tie against Swindon in midweek on Tuesday. As listeners to the podcast know, I'm not a big fan of the Czech Trade Trophy. Um, but I would have to admit that the performance against Swindon in the, in the 3-0 defeat was, was very poor. Um, I wasn't too bothered about that. You know, the six changes, players coming back from injury. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how fully focused everyone was on that game. Uh, but the, the, the game against Oxford was, was, was clearly um, unacceptable. Graham Carey, I, I interviewed after the game. I think I, when I listened back to the interview, he used the word unacceptable four times. Um, during the course of the interview, mm. um, the fans were were clearly upset, angry, frustrated. Uh, over twelve hundred of them made the trip to the Kassam Stadium, and uh, yeah, it feels like uh, the little bit of progress was made after Barnsley and, and Walsall were, were, were almost like back to square one again. Well, it's, I mean, it was similar to the Bristol Rovers game, wasn't it? We spoke about the nil-nil draw up at, mm. up at Rovers being. Mm. You know the start, something that Argyle can build on that building block to to move forward. And of course, they lost the next game after that. But this feels even worse, given that they got that win on the board against Wimbledon. And then, yeah. as you say, it's right back to it's right back to square one again. And you go to Oxford on Saturday, and you know I, I don't know how strong the, the rumours were, but you know there was talk that their head coach Carl Robinson could be under pre- under severe pressure. You know, Oxford bottom of the table, um, an experienced squad um, with expectations to be much higher in the league than where they were you know if Argyle had gone there and got a win they'd have piled more pressure on Oxford and Kyle Robinson they would have you know inched themselves maybe knocked themselves up the uh, table or a place or two and things would have looked very different to where they are but uh, they conceded the goal in the fourth minute Jamie Mackey the first of two ex-Argyle players to score in the game and um, it was always uh, an uphill task after that in summary um, I think some fans may disagree. I thought first half after going 1-0 down after four minutes, while Argyle didn't play well, they were in the game at half-time. And when you can see early, an early goal, you know, they were in the game. They had created a couple of chances. You were hoping that, um, you know, they'd come out in the second half, you know, take the game to Oxford, who you would have expected to be short of confidence and maybe might have sat back and tried to defend a lead because they hadn't won for so long. Um, but as it turned out, Oxford were the team that got on the front foot, looked to get the second goal, looked likely to get the second goal. Art Curtis Nelson, the former Argyle captain and defender, got the goal. 
and that 2-0 down it was basically game over with a quarter of an hour left yeah I mean it's that that was almost adding insult to injury wasn't it the fact that the goals came from Mackie and Nelson <laughs> as well you know yeah it, it was almost as though <laughs> it, it, whatever the opposite the, the, the opposite yeah. to the perfect strength. everything that could have gone wrong yeah. went, from, went wrong it, far gone it really. did yeah um, you know uh, and it was um, it, yeah he just summed up the day that, that Mackie and Nelson uh, two players that served Argyle well um, you know compounded the misery of, of the day so yeah it was uh, you could certainly understand the frustration of the fans because there has been two or three times this season when Bristol Rovers was won even the defeat at Charlton where the team put in reasonable performances and you're looking for them to, to build and go on and, and take confidence from and um, they haven't been able to do it and you know, the, the time is going to come you know, they have to start putting some points on the board you know, seven mm. points after 13 games you know, they've got to find a way of putting some results together and uh, performances like the one against Oxford is just way short you know, there's, you know you don't have to be, you know, somebody who can read a crystal ball. If, if Argyle carry on playing like that, the season is going to end very poorly. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was interesting as well, going back to the Swindon game. Um, I know Derek Adams made a lot of changes to that game, but he did keep the same back four, didn't he? And I just wonder how much of a... how much that affected their confidence, really, the fact that he kept that back four. It was almost mm. as though he wanted to mm. keep it going so that they could mm. get used to playing with each other. And then they go to Oxford, of course, and... You know, the goals were poor goals oh, as well, weren't they? The they first were, one especially. They, was they were poor shocker. goals. Uh, I th- I th- he didn't have a lot of other option against Swindon but to play that back four because of the injuries to, to Gary Sawyer. Scott Wooten's out. Um, Joe Riley's out. Uh, Niall Canavan came in as a sub towards uh, the end of that Swindon game, but he'd only had one... He'd only trained the previous day. So the... the that back four against Swindon, I think, was more forced upon him than, than anything else. And, and plus that, you do have certain rules in terms of team selection, yeah, of the trophy. But, um, but that back four played poorly against Swindon. You hoped that was a one-off, but, um, but they played poorly on, um, on Saturday as well. And, you know, you know, Stu, I've said this on podcasts before, you know, when things are going badly, I always revert to the, well, get the defence yeah. sorted out, get it nice and tight at the back. If we draw nil-nil, it's not the worst result in the world, um, but with the de- injuries to the defence and you know the, the performances of the defence, that's going to be difficult. That's no easy fix. Um, so um, it's one of many issues that you know Derek Adams has got to try and address in the coming weeks. Yeah, just a word on Derek Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, it did sound as though there was a, a lot of ill feeling towards him, with chance of you don't know what you're doing and and such like towards the end of the game. Um, I, I, I don't want to say that the fans want him out because I certainly don't think that's the case but there, there does seem to be a bit of a swell of, of people that do want him gone now. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've not heard chants like that before not that I can recall um, now I, I would still my gut feeling and I've got nothing really to base this on apart from my gut feeling and just being around the club a lot is that Derek Adams still has a lot of support at the football club and among the fans the fans are at Oxford paid their money entitled to express their opinions and they were unhappy with the team's performance. And I, I, I agree, it was poor. Um, I don't think I've ever given as many fours out of tens and even a three for Jan Song in my, my player ratings. It, 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 was, it was a really poor performance. Um, the, the chance of you don't know what you're doing um, were particularly based around the substitution of uh, Niall Canavan coming on from Ruben Ramirez. 
I think in, in the manager's defence, uh, Jan Songo got himself stupidly sent off. Um, Ryan Edwards had been taken off earlier. Um, and so when Songo sent off, who are you going to play at centre-back after Songo's been sent off? Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't, don't think anyone would advocate Argyle playing with three men at the back for the final ten minutes of the game. Um, so I think he didn't really have an option but to send Niall Canavan on and play at centre-back with Peter Grant um, because he didn't want to go and lose that game 4-0 by playing three at the back. Of course, then by sending Canavan on, he had to take somebody off and, and Ruben Ramirez was the one that came off. Um, and I don't think Ruben Ramirez or Graham Carey were anywhere near their best on Saturday. Neither of them played well. Um, so... I. I, the the fact that the fans shouted what they did is interesting, and it does show you that the more fans are getting annoyed, frustrated, disappointed with the manager and the team. But in that particular case, I don't see how the manager had any other choice but to put Niall Canavan on there yeah. after Jan Songo got himself sent off. I suppose what I'm saying, if, if Songo hadn't got himself sent off, he wouldn't have made that change. Off, then he wouldn't have made that yeah. change because Songo would have finished the game at centre back. So his hand was was forced, is is how I would take it. But yeah. um, uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, the thing is with Derek Adams, though, and what we have to remember is that he's on a five year contract, isn't he? Yeah, and so people say that. I'm sure there are break clauses in the. I, I'm sure that you know if Argyle wanted to make a change now, which I don't think they do, by the way, um, they wouldn't have to pay him four and a half years wages. And I'm sure if things turn around and Derek Adams is um, suddenly the, the next greatest thing around and we start having or we could go to a bigger and better club I'm sure there's break clauses where yeah. a club would not have to Super pay parties. four years to, to there'll, be, there'll be break clauses yeah. so I, I don't think that's that's an issue um, I still think he's the right man for the job I still think he um, needs and deserves time to turn it around um, I did an opinion piece uh, a couple of weeks ago um, so I'm still very much of that opinion. The club needs stability at the moment. They've had a change of owner. Uh, the chairman's situation is changing with James Brent stepping down at the end of October. We thought it was going to be David Felwick taking over, but now he's not doing that for personal reasons. And Simon Hallett's taking over as chairman, even though he's best based in the US. There's lots of change going on around the scenes. The, the ground development is, is changing. In my opinion, and it's just an opinion, you know, Argyle need a bit of stability and Derek Adams provides that but of course if you carry on if the team carry on performing like they did against Oxford at some point in time and I can't predict the future but at some point in time if they carry on playing like that then you would have to consider changing the manager of course you would he's not there for good mm. and, and you know he's not staying there because he's got a five year contract and we can't you know at some point in time you might have to consider it but I don't think we're there I don't think we're close to it yet, um, but performances like the ones against Swindon and Oxford are not acceptable for Plymouth Argyle, and I'm sure the manager and players realise that. They certainly, the players will certainly realise that after the reaction of the uh, on, on the fans on Saturday. Um, so the ball is a bit in their court. To you, you know what football fans are like, Stu. I mean, yeah. we'd all like our teams to play brilliant, flowing football and win every week and you know be the be the greatest but i think as as fans what we want to see the team is give 100% don't we it's the effort and the commitment isn't it if the effort and commitment's there 
if you end up losing a game because somebody's made a mistake or you know a refereeing decision's gone the wrong way or something like that, it's part of football, isn't it? You, mm. you know, sometimes you know if you're a fan of Plymouth Argyle or you know lower league clubs, you're just sort of used to it in a way, aren't you? Um, but if the effort and commitment is not there, and Graham Carey basically said that was as much. Um, that's when fans get upset, yeah. and, and and I under, I totally understand why. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's have a word about the fans then, because um, obviously at full time there was these chants of "You're not fit to wear the shirt," mm-hmm. and I always think when it gets to that stage, I mean, this has to be rock bottom for our goal now, doesn't it? They, they can't let things get any worse than mm-hmm. than what happened at Oxford on Saturday. Yeah, it's one thing I suppose putting in a performance like that away from home. Another thing. Exactly. If, they, if this happens at the weekend, yeah. then it's going yeah. to be well, five, six, seven times worse. Isn't people, it? people are not going to be happy. So they've got a full week to have a good long think about how they're going to play against Burton at Home Park on Saturday. Um, yeah, like I say, the, the, the fans that went to Oxford, you know, by nature, you know, it's 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 a, it's a fair trek. You know, you you're a committed Argyle fan if you go in. Um, up to a game like that, there was over 1,200 of them, so I don't think anyone should dismiss um, people's reactions. Um, did everyone boo and jeer? No. You know, some people, to be honest, had left well before the end yeah. of the game. Um, others would have just, you know, been there disappointed and, and been disappointed but not expressed their dissatisfaction. But a number, and it was audible, and I know I sat on the other side of the on the other side of the ground, and you, you couldn't help but hear the, the chance made it clear what they thought and um, Derek Adams said fans are entitled to their opinion and you know you've got to you know he said you've got to take it on the chin in these situations and come back and, and, and come up with a response so yeah it will be fascinating to see how Arbel play um, will they play well against Burton next week will they win 2 or 3 nil? who knows but you'd be very disappointed if, if they don't put in a much more committed you know determined performance than we saw against Oxford yeah I, I mean I think the players have to take some of the responsibility I mean Derek Adams at the moment seems to be shouldering a lot of the, the blame um, yeah. maybe some of it's justified in terms of his recruitment because they are his players at the end of the day but then he's been given or he's giving some of these players opportunities we spoke about the Sweden mm. Cheka Che Trophy game they're, they're coming in and they're not giving him any reason to then put them in the team for the Oxford game at the weekend, are they? Yeah, I mean, the managers are always going to shoulder the, the bulk of the blame because they do the recruitment and um, sign the players and also they pick the teams and systems and tactics and all that sort of stuff. So that's fair enough. But I think there is a time where players have to take responsibility. And, you know, what, what I would say about... Um, I, I, I did inter- interview with Graham Carey after the game... Um, it's it's not fun being a player getting asked will you do an interview with the media after a performance like that, mm. um, and to be honest, it's not particularly fun as a journalist. You having know, to ask the having questions. to ask the questions. No, absolutely, they've got to be absolutely. asked. Um, but it, it's it, you know I don't take any um, satisfaction from from that at all. Um, but it's it's my job to ask the questions. It's the job of a player as a professional footballer to come out and um, face the media and through the media speak to the fans. And um, you know, I, in all credit to, to Graham Carey, you know, he was he was asked to come out and do it. He agreed to do it. He spoke very openly, honestly. Didn't you know come out with any you know excuses? Admitted it wasn't good enough, and um, it won't have made the fans feel any better about the performance. But 
I, I think that it would have given the fans the idea that it does hurt, did hurt the players. You know, after a performance like that, the fans might have gone away and thought, oh, doesn't really, the players don't really care, they're not really fussed, you know, this, that and the other. Um, and I've done this job a long time, fortunately, and I've seen lots of happy players after games and lots of sad players after games. And, and Graham Carey was hurting on Saturday. You know, you know he you know, knew that wasn't good enough. Um, now, whether that's any consolation to Argyle fans, I, I don't know, but he was hurting that, 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 that. He hasn't gone home and sort of forgotten about that five or ten minutes after getting home. That, that will have lingered. It's, it's probably still lingering yeah. now. And they've got to use that hurt. Against Burton. And, yeah, we don't want to feel like this again. We can't feel like this again. We don't want the fans, you know, to... to to get on, so uh, to get against us. So you know, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. It's one of those situations, really, where I guess if you're a player, you, you really wish you had a game on the Tuesday night yes. so you can get back out there. Uh, it was one of the first things I said to a few people after the game is that sometimes after a uh, after a Saturday game, you think, oh, I've got Tuesday game. Oh, you know, it would be nice to enjoy a sort of. But yeah. You, I mean, they would have played on Sunday if they, yeah, if sure they had the chance, you know, because you, it's a long week. It's a long week, you know, before they play Burton. So, um, yeah, they, they probably could have done it for Tuesday game this week. Indeed. Um, one final thing on Oxford. Uh, as we touched on earlier, Jamie Mackey and Curtis Nelson, both former Argyle players, of course, um, they were the ones that got the goals. And we were really interested in their celebrations, mm. weren't we, Chris? It was interesting yeah. to see Jamie Mackey, you know, absolutely thrilled to score, as he always is when he scores a goal, of course. And um, sort of no... I wouldn't like to say no care towards Green Army because that wasn't the case, but he was just so thrilled to have scored his first goal for Oxford, celebrated wildly. In contrast, Curtis Nelson, very respectful and restrained with his celebration. What did you make of the two players? Um, I haven't got a problem with Jamie Mackey celebrating the way he did. I haven't got a problem with um, any player celebrating, even if against his former club. I don't see that uh, a player celebrating after scoring a goal against his former club is being disrespectful at all. Um, he is paid by... Let's take Jamie Mackey for, as, as the example. Jamie Mackey is a striker. His job is to score goals. He is employed by Oxford United to score goals. I think that was his 12th game on Saturday and he hadn't scored one. And his team's bottom of the league And his team's well. bottom of the league. He made the point. He, he came out and did the media interviews. I had the chance to, to listen to what he had to say uh, and briefly say hello and um, you know because from his time at Argyle. And he made the point, and I, I couldn't disagree with any of it. His team at bottom, he hadn't scored a goal. He's not a robot. He's a passionate guy. He scored in the fourth minute at the home end. Um, of course he's going to celebrate. Um, I think sometimes as football fans, you, you can't be too precious about things. No. Um, I'm, I can remember Ryan Taylor scoring yeah, for Argyle at Rotherham, his hometown club. And he was pretty pleased about it. Yeah. Um, and the Argyle fans loved it when they saw him and it, celebrate it, that it, way. It's, it's a topic in football quite often, isn't it? I mean, we could probably have this conversation on a podcast for any club around the Football League, couldn't we, where an ex-player scores against you and how he reacts. And I didn't have a problem with Jamie Mackey celebrating it, as he did at all. And when he spoke to the media, he was very keen to stress that he had the utmost respect for Argyle as a club, especially for the fans, wished them well for the rest of the season. Gary Sawyer, the Argyle captain, injured Argyle captain, he called his, his best mate, which, you know, they were always good, good mates at Argyle together. Yeah. Um, you know, he watches out for the results. There's, there's no, by him celebrating, there is no um, slight against Argyle in any way. 
I think the Argyle fans were, were uh, annoyed about some of the, um, you know, maybe he made the most out of some, some challenges on him during the game, but lots of players do that these days. And, um, you know, he certainly couldn't be faulted for the, uh, for the tackle on him by Jan Songo, which got Songo sent off because, you know, that was a stupid tackle to make. And, yeah. um, so Curtis Nelson, of course, as sod's law, as it would be, Jamie Mackey sets up, sets up a bloke about six yards out. You know, with a fairly simple chance. Of course, it has to be Curtis Nelson, um, and he scores. And straight away, he made it clear that he didn't want everyone piling on top of him, and you know, he wasn't going to be punching there and running around in in circles. Um, and that's his choice, you know. And if he doesn't want to celebrate, um, that's fine. He could, he could easily have done so as well. I mean, he when you think done. of what he's been through with mm-hmm. his, he, he's had a horrific injury with yeah. his Achilles. Yeah, missed most of last season. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. missed most of last season. He's, yeah. he's come back into the team. That's mm-hmm. his first goal since yeah. he's come back. Yeah. Okay, he's a centre half, but mm-hmm. every player loves scoring a goal. Yeah. He could quite easily have been ecstatic. And I, I wouldn't have blamed him for no, that. At no, all. not at all. Um, now he chose not to, and, and that's where people are different. And you know, and I don't feel you should be, you know criticising one person for doing something and praising somebody for the other way. You know, it was his choice. You know, Curtis Nelson made 250 appearances for Argyle. He was club captain. He played for Argyle at Wembley. He, um, you know, he he was released by Stoke as a 16-year-old and Argyle took him on. You know, he's got some very strong links with Argyle. I did have the chance to see him afterwards and had a brief chat with him. And, you know, there's a bit of Argyle still in him. You know, you know, he still cares about Argyle. He wants the club to do well. Um, now he chose not to celebrate the goal. That's his his choice. But um, I don't see why every player playing against their former club, whoever it is, should have to think. Well, no, I can't celebrate because the yeah. fans are going to think I'm I'm being disrespectful. You know. So. Um, and I don't think fans should be disrespectful either. I mean, mm. I, I don't know what the reaction was from the Argyle mm. fans at, at, at Jamie scoring yeah he got, he got a bit of stick during the afternoon well mm. that, that's sad because mm. as you say you know Ryan Taylor mm. scored mm. for Rotherham yeah. uh, against Rotherham rather for Argyle yeah. and you know I remember Buster Phillips celebrating mm. in front of the Exeter fans yes. all those years ago Absolutely, you know? yeah. things like that as you say it does it's, happen in football it's, 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 is it a bit galling when a former player scores of it of course it is yeah. of course it is but, yeah. but he's not celebrating like that to, to have a go at you but also, fan, also you know? it should be seen as banter, you know. If, mm. if he does, then yeah. have a bit. But I yeah. suppose the situation the two clubs are in right yeah. now is a little bit it, more. It's a difficult one, but I, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. And, and no. the way he came out, and um, hopefully everyone had a chance to read. Yeah, it, and if you haven't read it, it is a really it, good it, interview. He, I think he made it as good a case as you possibly could mm. for why a former player scoring against his former club should be allowed to. Um, and it was, it was it was interesting. It was interesting, yeah, it was. interesting conversation with him. How do Argyle get out of this rut then, Chris? Um, well, you know, we keep saying that mm. they get these results. Hopefully, it'll be the start yeah. that they can build on. Mm. And as we say, we're right back at square one again. So, what does, I mean, what does he do? Mm. Well, there's there's a few injured players come back. Um, the Swindon game did have, say, for example, Sarsavik, Ness, and Connor Grant all playing in the centre midfield. So there are. With a four-week training this week, all of those players that came back from injury are going to be sort of in the picture, you would think, for the Burton game. So he's going to have a bit more choice when it comes to um, injured players, although some of the, the other ones, the, the Gary Sawyers and people like that, are going to be a, a while yeah. yet, I think. Um, so he's going to have a few more options. Um, I suppose where it's good where they haven't got a Tuesday game is that they 
he and the players can have a good thing about how they're going to play against Burton and you know if Kerry and Amir are, are going to be as as poor as they were against Oxford I do wonder if you're going to have to start thinking about changing formations um, when well, the wingers have barely had a look in this yeah season, and, and I'm not necessarily whether you can just tweak it around a little bit Freddie Ladapo worked hard enough on Saturday but he, he didn't get enough service um, I'm not sure that there'll be masses of changes to, to formation, but personnel, I think, you know, there could be um, a change or two. Jan Songo suspended, for example. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a, a problem at centre-back there because, um, you know, Ryan Edwards was substituted on Saturday because, you know, by his standards, he had a very poor game and was taken off. Uh, you've got Songo suspended now. Um, you've got uh, Scott Wooten out injured. So you, you're really down to Niall Canavan and... Um, Peter Grant as your only two centre-backs, which isn't ideal because they're both left-sided centre-backs. Anyway, to get back to how do they get out of the rut, um, if there was a simple answer to this, you know, they'd they would have done it by now yeah, and clubs would do it. Um, the, the way I see it is, and I still, still go back to, you've got to make yourself hard to beat. Um, you know, when you're losing, the first step in going forward, to my way, I think, it's a big step to go from losing lots of games to suddenly winning lots of lots of games you, there's not many teams that can make that flick shot. a switch and make yeah, that jump right. so you've got to make yourself hard to beat so defensively and it's not really proven to be the case but you know defensively they've got to be a lot stronger I suppose you know if you took away the at Barnsley at Barnsley and against Wimbledon they defended well yeah um, and they've got to get back to that not what we've seen against Swindon and, and Oxford it wasn't that long ago that they defended well against Barnsley and they kept a clean sheet at Wimbledon. So they've got to get back into that mindset, stop making silly mistakes early in games. It's something I'm going to be writing on later in the week. You'll get a chance to see it, hopefully. The amount of early goals Argyle are conceding is getting ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's every other game seems to be they're 1-0 down within 10, 15, 20 minutes. And... If you're a little bit short of confidence and you're 1-0 down after 20 minutes, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah. So they, they need to make themselves harder to beat, tighten up the defence, um, stop conceding early goals, and they have got to, got to, got to get the best out of, or get more out of Kerry and Namirez. Um, Namirez have had a couple of decent games recently, didn't do much on Saturday, but you could say that about the whole team, so I'm not, mm. not going to sort of simply an out for any particular blame there that everyone played poorly um, I think the important thing as well on Saturday is that they get the fans back on side you know obviously sounded like they lost a bit of support yeah. at the weekend how they do that I mean just in terms of their their approach to the game you've, getting stuck in making you've, tackles you've and got to start make, that game as though you really mean yeah it's got to be like a cup final type sleeves rolled up but. get stuck in make some chat tackles you know try and get in the front foot have some early chances of their own rather than the opposition having early chances. Yeah. Get on the front foot. If the fans see that there's the effort and the commitment, I, I believe that they'll, they'll be very supportive yeah, of other. I really do, because at the end of the day, you don't want to see your team struggling. But, you know, the, as much as you can say, the, the, fans need to, the fans do need to stay with the team, because if the fans turn on the team, it's only going to make things worse. But, having said that, the team just can't rely on the fans to be with them 
regardless. They've got to give them something to They've cheer. They've got to they? give them something to cheer. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they all have to play at the very peak of their game. That would help, of course it would. But they've got to go out and put in a proper, hard-working, disciplined performance. Play with pride. Play with pride for the badge and the shirt that you're playing for. You know, they're fortunate to play for a club like Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, it's not Manchester United or Manchester City. But in League One levels, with the level of support they can get, I mean, they're 23rd in League One. They've gone on a 400-odd mile round trip and they've had 1,200 fans there. You know, there's not that many clubs yeah. in League One that would do that. I think Argyle's away support was one of the highest in League I One. Think, I think it was the on highest. Saturday, wasn't yeah. it? And they're yeah. 23rd in the table. Now, yes, it didn't turn out well that the fans, some of the fans, had to go at the players afterwards. But, but those players are lucky to play for a club like this. Mm. You know, um, and certainly have that support. And they've got to use the support. Home Park can be, you know, quite hostile and, and partisan at times. You know, I can think of lots of times when opposition managers have moaned about refereeing decisions and performances and things like that because the crowd are hostile and partisan. They've got to try and make it like that. And there's an onus on the fans to get behind the team because as supporters, that's what you do. But there is an onus on the players yeah. to, to, to give the fans something to cheer about. It's a two-way two two thing. thing. Absolutely. And as long as the players do that, the fans will be with them. And then hopefully that improves their chances of, one, getting a good result on Saturday, and two, getting out of the, the, the league position they're in. Yeah, I know it's a cliche, but um, is Saturday a, a must-win game? To me, it doesn't feel like a must-win game yet. It's still too early in the season. Um, but um, in terms of everything yeah. that's going on, they need a win, yeah. don't they? Yeah, I mean... I, I'm, me personally, again, my own opinion, and people will, will disagree, I'm sure, I don't think you get must-win games in October. No. Because if it's a must-win game in October, heaven help us what, what things could be like in February, yeah. March, April time. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an important game. There's you know, no ways about it. Every game is important when you're um, desperately in need of points. They've got two home games, bearing in mind, of course, they've got Burton Albion on Saturday and Gillingham on the Tuesday. Now, It'd be great to get six points. I'd be happy with four. Um, three is probably the minimum of what you're looking at yeah. from those two games. Um, otherwise, things aren't going to. Um, the league table's not going to look any better, is it? So, um, uh, important games, but it is important. But I'm not going down the must must win road. Not in not in October. No, and when you look at. Gillingham, I mean, they had a great win away at Portsmouth a couple mm. of weeks ago, didn't they? So, when you, no when easy you, game. Yeah. There is, when you're no. down near the bottom and you've had one win in 13 league games, there are you, you are not going to look down a fixture list and say, well, that's an easy game, or that's a, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to build some confidence up, and that's what we hope they've done against Barnes in Wimbledon. Uh, the, the Oxford game was... was was shocking, really. It was, it was, it was really yeah, poor. That's got to be a blip, really, hasn't and it? And now we need the, the players to come up with a response. Like I say, the fans, you know, need to be with the team because if the fans go against the team, that isn't going to, you know, I, I'm not a big believer that yelling abuse at people is going to make them play any better. I don't see how, you know, giving somebody, you know, dog no. abuse is going to make them play better. But I do understand, and the players need to understand, and I think they probably do, that they have got to give the fans reason yeah. to get behind them. They can't complain about support. You know, they've had uh, eight, 9,000 home grounds this season. They've had, I think, over 1,000 every away game this season, apart from Barnsley on Tuesday night. The support's there. The people are turning out, paying their money to support the team. They, they, they want, and I think they rightly expect, 100% effort. 
and that's what we need to see from this Argyle team yeah as I say I, I think they kind of need Saturday to be that rock bottom that mm. needs to be it now ok Chris thanks ever so much for Stuart, joining me on the podcast I know oh, quite the stressors <laughs> are doing their job shall well we say well thanks very much uh, and we'll be back again with more of the same next week thanks for listening bye bye we are always happy to hear from you and if you have any questions for our panel please tweet them to our twitter account at herald pafc or visit our facebook page plymouth argyle the herald thanks for listening